again. This is Elizabeth Spring from NorthNodeAstrology.com. And as most of you know, um, I'm a counseling astrologer with a background in the work of Carl Jung. And I've been doing this work professionally since 1992, and I've written five books. And today I'm going to uh, do something special. I'm going to be reading to you part um, of chapter two from my book, North Node Astrology, Rediscovering Your Life Direction and Soul Purpose. And it's probably the most important chapter uh, it's on the family karmic inheritance. And I start off by using a quote from Longfellow, um, which I'm going to tell you right now. He says, if we could read the secret history of our enemies or think families, we would find in each man's life a sorrow and a suffering enough to disarm all hostility. So we're going to delve into the karmic inheritance that we all have, uh, maternal and paternal, and I'm going to be using an example from my own life in this. So I hope you enjoy this episode today. And if you want to find out more, um, check out uh, northnodeastrology.com. Chapter 2, The Family Karmic Inheritance. Quote, If we could read the secret history of our enemies, we would find in each man's life a sorrow and a suffering enough to disarm all hostility. Unquote. Henry Wadsworth Longfellow. As an astrologer, I am continually struck by the potential for sorrow and suffering when first reviewing a client's chart. However, upon meeting them, I'm usually astounded at how uniquely they have coped, survived, and flourished in spite of the potential for anguish. How do they thrive in spite of their history? How do they forgive and let go of the past? Longfellow must have had a sense of it when he wrote that quote, and if we change the word enemies there to families, then the most important point of this podcast would be made. If we could know each other's pain, this would indeed disarm all hostility. I believe that the oracle that speaks through the language of astrology teaches compassion. It has been said that the soul is ruthless in seeking its own path home, and that the needs of the soul, not the desires of the personality, orchestrate our lives. I have been finding that there, there is a mystery and history in each of us that reaches back beyond our present lives directly to our family lineage. We've inherited a karmic legacy that reflects the victories, defeats, and battles of our ancestors, for they are indeed very much with us. Within families, there is a karmic inheritance that is handed down the family line along with a genetic blueprint. We inherit deeply entrenched emotional and mental perspectives, as well as unearned propensities such as musical or mathema mathematical talents. Yet, unfortunately, we know that alcoholism, depression, abuse, and certain illnesses are also inherited. 
who gladly accept the unearned talents such as Mozart-like propensities, but a negative family inheritance such as the family uh, Kennedy family curse is not pleasant to think about. Even if we believe that our soul picks our family and our karmic inheritance so that we can inherit both the gifts and the challenges needed for our highest soul growth, it's still hard to understand. Essentially, the soul's choice of when and where to incarnate is a mystery. Yet astrologers believe that the synchronistic moment of birth is the key element in the life story because it gives us the chart, the genetic or karmic blueprint of the soul, the map of the psyche. By looking at our family members' charts, we can decipher emotional patterns that have been playing out for generations. These karmic patterns are not in themselves innate curses or blessings, for our will and intention and grace are always operating. But anything can behave erratically if willfully suppressed for generations. Carl Jung wrote about the personal as well as the collective unconscious, saying that both talents and troubles are to be found in the subconscious. He didn't say how the unconscious works its way through the family lineage, but he did claim that there was gold in the shadow of the personal and collective unconscious. I believe that we can use the astrological technique of overlapping charts called synastry to help us see the gold in the family inheritance, as well as the imprint of family shame and secrets. We can become conscious of what has been hidden and become freer by stepping out of the secret matrix of family denial. We can then make choices to express and heal rather than to conceal. We can change the patterns for the next generations. Everyone, not just astrologers and Jungians, are aware of the unconscious nature of family dynamics and what I call the family karmic inheritance. Just as we might see that we've inherited our parents', our parents uh, maybe tall bodies and long noses, we might also see a predisposition for sudden anger or alcoholism. We might notice, too, that the males in the family pride themselves and judge others by physical prowess and athletic ability. But what happens when mental illness, greed, sexual confusion, or insatiable power and control dynamics are passed along? Isn't it then that we question ideas of fate and destiny, wondering if we were born trailing not only clouds of glory, but clouds of dust as well? Most astrologers accept the theory of reincarnation as the basic uh, basis for this inheritance, whereas other people see it more as some mix of genetic and emotional DNA. Evolutionary astrologers find the theory of reincarnation makes sense as it resonates with a sense of justice that moves beyond the karma of one life as it echoes back to the idea that the sins of the fathers shall be visited on the children for seven generations. It's a thought or theory that I never liked, but everything I know about the nodes seemed to fit, at least in theory. Actually, I didn't choose to delve into this karmic stew as much as it chose me.
One Sunday morning many years ago, I woke with a confusing depression that had been building for months. I knew that I knew that I was in the midst of my Uranus opposition. It was almost exact, and that the time for something to come to light was upon me. I had moved cross-country to California and had made significant changes in my life. Yet I couldn't feel the joy or freedom that is usually the gift of Uranus despite my efforts. As was usual on this Sunday morning, I called my mother and had yet another depressing conversation with her. She was threatening suicide again if I didn't return east. Nothing had changed in that area of my life, even though I had fought the codependency by moving thousands of miles away. It was a constant litany of shame and blame between us, with tears and heart-wrenching reconciliations, followed by more accusations of abandonment and blame. I was on the defense, and as usual, nothing I said assuaged my guilt, anger, and grief. But this morning, the grief overflowed into tears that didn't stop. I was paralyzed. I had no psychic energy left to move out of this mood. I glanced at my chart and saw the same lineup of planetary archetypes, the same old story. But next to my chart this morning was a mythic tarot deck I had just bought, written by one of my favorite astrologers, Liz Green. Because astrology pulls its symbolism from myths similar to tarot, I had bought this as a tool to go deeper and to amplify what I knew astrologically. Now here it was for me at the time of need. I needed an oracle, an insight, something that could bring new light to this unending situation. And it's always hard to be objective about one's own chart asking advice from other astrologers or using other similar symbolic systems can be of tremendous help, you know, like the tarot deck when you feel blocked. So that morning I took out the deck, pulled the Ten of Swords, and read the story about it. On a divinatory level, it said that this card marks the ending of a difficult situation, and it went on to tell the story of Orestes and the curse of the house of Atreus. It is a dark tale full of conflict and bloodshed involving Athena, the three furies, and Orestes. I remember that Athena, as a goddess of justice, is often related to Libra, my sun sign, and the furies have to do with the feminine fury and unrest. I could feel a shift beginning to happen within me as I wrote down what I read. Quote, a family curse such as Orestes has to bear is an image of inner conflicts passed down from one generation to another where the grandparents and parents have been unable to face life's conflicts honestly, honestly and the children must uh, inevitably suffer until insight is gained, unquote. It went on to say a deep-seated and ancient problem is now forced to the surface and something must ultimately leave our lives. We can now move on, not merely disillusion, but freed of some deep canker which has its roots in a past older than ourselves in which our own suffering 
as released and redeemed. I then went to my computer and pulled up the charts of my grandmother, my mother, and myself, three women linked by genes and an obscure family history. I had often felt as if there was some secrecy in the family history, yet when I questioned my parents and grandparents, they would speak only of their successes or of the failings of others. The same old stories seemed to repeat, and I found that probing questions yielded little. But now I question the nature of this family karmic inheritance by looking at the interconnecting positions of the nodes, the sun, the moon, Chiron, and Pluto. What I saw in this synastry of charts was a pattern of connections that was enough to lift the morning's depressing fog. At least now, I could see, and once seeing, I could make an attitude adjustment. I could feel a mood of understanding and compassion rising. So I pulled up my chart and had another long look at it. I knew that Pluto in the horoscope is the lord of the underworld and reflects the law of nature for which the Greeks had so much fear and respect. And there it was, strong and highly visible in my chart. While thinking about the mythological curse that the tarot hinted at, I rummaged through my astrology reference books and found that a family curse involves some violation of natural law by earlier generations. I I read that one can expect Pluto to be strong in the horoscope for anyone who has the need to make peace with an inheritance from the past. What makes Pluto strong? It's strong when it is in hard aspect to the sun or moon or to the other personal planets such as Venus and Mars and when it's conjunct a node. In these situations, that's a south node or a north node. In these situations, it suggests a karmic past life inheritance deep in the unconscious, usually connected with the family line. When I first looked at my chart, I didn't seem to have Pluto aspected that way. But then I looked again. Well, Pluto was the ruling planet of my Scorpio south node. There it was a powerful sign to bring to consciousness whatever was brought down the family line. So here was the challenge. How was I to make peace with my Pluto-ruled south node? I pondered the charts. My grandmother, Elizabeth English, had a chart with a predominance of planets in the Earth sign of Taurus. And there was Pluto aspecting her sun with a tight conjunction. I couldn't tell what house it was in because I only knew her birthday and didn't know her time of birth. But I could see that the south node was in cancer. Cancer, family enmeshment, with a north node in Capricorn. I knew that she was born in 1880 and that she had been a talented artist as a young woman. And after she married, she had five children and never painted again. Her husband died in his late 50s at his second Saturn return of alcoholism. With five planets in Taurus, there were issues around money, security, and self-confidence. And with Sun conjunct Pluto, 
she would have experienced many symbolic, if not real, deaths and rebirths in her life. In fact, her mother and sister both died young from heart problems, and when her favorite son succumbed to alcoholism as well, she retired to her room for the rest of her days. She struggled in her own way to move away from that enmeshed and culturally defined Cancer South Node and towards her more ambitious Capricorn North Node, yet she remained a woman of her time. Her artistic freedom was severely curtailed by raising children like most of the women of her generation. Yet I remember her speaking with an inner authority and independence, and she carried herself with a quiet dignity and a pride in her children. But I also remember an unexplained sadness she carried, and I was confused by her stubborn refusal refusal to paint again despite encouragement. She died at the age of 74 when I was eight. It seemed as if my grandmother, Elizabeth, never felt the deep emotional serenity and financial security that is the touchstone for Taurus, without which Taurus folks cannot release all their gifts. She was financially secure only in her later life, but the mystery of her abandonment of her art was never told to me However, her only remaining oil painting is a dark Rembrandt-like rendition of a fortune teller reading the tea leaves in a china cup to a well-dressed lady at the turn of the century. The painting was done in 1903 when she was 23 years old and now hangs in my astrology office. Some people see only its darkness and the sad look on the women's faces. I, however, find it delightfully fascinating that my grandmother's last painting, The Fortune Teller, foreshadowed the astrological work that I, her granddaughter, would do. When I overlaid my chart on hers and saw that my north node was conjunct her Taurus sun, implying that there was something about who she essentially was, her sun sign, that could be a thoughtful inspiration or suggestion for me, I took that to heart. At my Uranus opposition, at age 41, I then took my grandmother's first name for my own, and I am now known as Elizabeth. That was not my original name. The South Node story um, continues with my mother. When I looked at her chart in mine, I saw that her south node, hinting of the past life story, was at the exact degree of my Libra sun. I know that any planet aspecting another person's south node is an indication that the two souls may have been in relationship before in another life. Ah, yes, our enmeshment and struggles in this life felt larger than this life alone. And to see that we might have danced together in some way before was not really a surprise. In fact, it felt like a relief to see that our connections were part of a karmic dance that had its roots long ago in other other lifetimes. I suspected then that all my work and therapy around us was more significant than I originally knew. Our charts 
were riddled with conjunctions and oppositions, just like us. Then I noticed that her Capricorn sun was within two degrees of her mother's Capricorn North Node. So if the North Node was a good suggestion for my grandmother, then something about her daughter's life could be an inspiration for her. And indeed, my mother was able to combine mother her motherhood with her art, and she painted up until the de- her death at the age of 87. She may have learned by negative example what not to do with her combination of art and motherhood. I could see our wounds. There were painful issues around creativity, freedom, and ambivalent feelings about motherhood here, as well as enmeshment and codependence. I could see the connections through the wounded secret trail of Pluto's pride, shame, and insecurity. I couldn't know the secrets of my grandmother's family or the specifics of possible alcohol abuse that her son and husband suffered from or the pain of the early deaths of her mother and sister. But what I could see was my grandmother's son touching Pluto and her nodal conjunctions with my mother and me. My mother's continuing demands for both independence and connections reflected by her own North Node Aries, South Node Libra, were a painful struggle that demanded too much of me, her only child. In today's psychological language, she would be called a borderline personality. In part, she wanted me to mother her, something I could never do well enough. But by virtue of simply living a long life, 14 years beyond my father's time, his death, she did attain some of the independence of her North Node Aries. In my life, I've struggled with independence, artistic creativity, mother, motherhood, and career. But my nodal axis of North Node Taurus, South Node Scorpio, still warns me not to expect or take what isn't mine. I must use my own resources, not another's and stay clear of melodrama in all its guises. As a potter, painter, astrologer, mother, daughter, wife, there have been many roles and side journeys. It hasn't always been an easy road for me. I've struggled to bring as much consciousness to it as I can, gladly accepting the positive artistic inheritance and motherly nurturance that's been handed down the maternal family line along with the pain. And finally, when I pulled up my daughter's chart, I saw more correspondences and overlapping. She's an Aries sun embodying my mother's uh, north node, and her Venus is in the exact degree and sign as my mother's Venus. Yet her nodal patterns seem to pick up more on the paternal family line, And we have an easy, loving relationship. Something has been healed. I have a gift here. And I'm going to stop there. Uh, This is partway through chapter two. And those of you who are curious about the family karmic inheritance will find a lot to chew on in this chapter of North Node Astrology, Rediscovering Your Life Direction and soul purpose. Uh, Also, if you're interested in a reading, 
uh, and we can talk a little bit about this. Uh, you can find out more how to set up a reading at northnodeastrology.com. All right. Well, I hope you've gained some insight from this today. And I hope you come back. And if you liked it, um, please go to the, the Apple Podcast site and uh, write a little review or a like if you liked it. Or perhaps there's somebody you know that is suffering um, from some family issues that might benefit from this. Okay, thanks for now. See you later. Bye-bye. Mm-hmm.